Hey guys, I'm here with Vashai Hurt from Carolina Bliss. And of course, I'm Sheena from Quick Out the Blocks, and we have an announcement. I know you guys have seen us pair up so many times throughout the seasons, and you know, we get so much good feedback on our interactions. So we are pleased to announce that Quick Blitz is now officially on the Riot Network with the Riot Report. We get to um, you know, just bring fans, hardcore Panthers fans extremely great and extremely exciting and extremely fresh content so of course when the opportunity arose we were like heck yeah let's do it so we are introducing now quick blitz, quick blitz again <laughs> this is our first episode under the riot under the roaring riot so we're going to we're going to use this as our first episode even though we've done so many clips and little blurbs before this is officially the first episode on the riot network how you feel about that v I mean, I'm excited about it. This is it's just um bringing what we talk about or what we usually do through during the season and throughout the season to a new audience. So, um y'all rock with us and we we going to rock hard with y'all. follow us on Twitter but for our new listeners and we hope you guys are encouraging other people to, to tap into this I'm Sheena Quick I have covered the Panthers going into my fifth season um, I've covered it for Fox Sports Radio 1340 and Vashai has been covering for a couple of years too so she pretty much does everything under her Carolina <laughs> website all things Carolina so I'm sure you a lot of you guys that are listening already know her and myself and if you don't, go ahead and follow us, um, Carolina Blitz. We cover the Panthers. We've been credentialed for the last couple of years, but I've always done Carolina Panthers content, and we also cover UNC, Duke, NC State. Um, so, yeah, we, we both stay very busy, and so we'll be giving you Panthers content, and we may throw in a little bit of other content here and, here and there as well. Absolutely. Now, guys, All right. as, as tough as it is for everybody at home, it's even tougher for us because we are extremely limited due to COVID. Ordinarily, we would be at Wofford right now for a training camp. Instead, we are <laughs> recording our podcast remotely, but, you know, have no fear. We, we're still going to bring you that, that fresh, up-to-date content as we get it, as we speak with the guys, as we speak with the coaches via Zoom, while they are actually holding training camp at Bank of America Stadium per all the NFL policies requiring teams to hold training camp at their facilities. Yeah, and so the last couple of days we have gotten several um, press conferences, and we're going to hop right into it. Teddy Bridgewater spoke with us yesterday, um, and, you know, we, we've got the the – you want to see the full press conference, you can go to carolinablitz.com. But we're going to talk about a small piece of it. And he was asked, with all of the offseason changes and the switch from Cam Newton to him, does he feel like this is already his team? Well, Teddy Two Gloves was very confident in his answer. Here's a clip. Yeah, it definitely does. And um, I credit that to uh, Mr. Tepper, uh, Marty, Coach Rule, and, and the coaching staff here. Um, they made this transition a smooth one, and uh, they told me from the jump that, hey, this is your team, and the guys will go as I go. And, uh, just being around the guys a couple of days already, uh, you see them you know, feeding off my energy, and I'm feeding off their energy. So uh, you know, it definitely feels like my team. And um, he's in a very interesting position. This has been a this has been everything but a conventional offseason. You're coming into a club that is having a complete overhaul. You know, that has been Cam Newton's team since he was drafted number one um, back in 2011. But in addition to that, there's new coaches. You know, a lot of the Panther faithful are used to, you know, Greg Olson, um, Thomas Davis the year before, Julius Peppers, uh, even, you know, like, like I said, Cam Newton and um, just so many others that have now that will now not be at Bank of America. So this is a, a very interesting time. In addition to COVID, it's just a completely new facelift for these Panthers. And he's walking into kind of a tough situation, but he's handled it with grace 
other than when he let you guys get him out of pocket on Twitter. We're going to talk about that, <laughs> of that a little bit but later. You know, you know, as far as I understand that he is QB, he's going to be the quarterback of the Panthers. But, you know, at the time, this was yesterday, now they're three days. At the time, they were two days into practice. Like, coming into the situation that you're coming into, no offseason, basically, no a very unconventional training camp where you're still like two days getting into knowing these players. I understand where he said David Tepper and um, Coach Rule and Marty Herney told him that this is his team, but they aren't the guys who determine whose team it is. Ultimately, it's those guys in the locker room because it's who they follow is who is how whose team it's determined. As of right now, I don't think. Bridgewater, and in and, and all fairness, he hasn't had an oppor- opportunity to, but he hasn't done enough for him to definitively say, like, this is my team. There is a guy called Christian McCaffrey who just had an MVP-type season last year. You have K.K. Short, who has been with the team for years. Um, you have uh, Trey Boston. You have other – huh? He's only returning captain also. K.K. is. Yeah. So you have other guys who have been entrenched in this system. And, and granted, everything is new. But I think, you know, confident answer, Teddy, confident answer, pump your brakes, is not quite your team yet. You're going to have to do a little more proving on the field. You're going to have to show through more than two days of camp before you can say, oh, yeah, this is my team. If I had to pick whose team it is right now, Definitely right now, this is, this is Christian McCaffrey's team. And I'll say this about Teddy. I think that that quote came from pretty much every quarterback considers the team his team, if we're looking at all the NFL teams. Now, for granted, he is very new. He hasn't even really gotten a chance to get his feet wet yet at Bank of America. Right. It's, it's, it's a bit premature, and it's premature because the Cam Newton feelings are still very raw. Very raw. Very raw. In, in a Patriots uniform for the first time yesterday, Cam Newton. So it's, it's tough for him because – he has to be assertive in the position he, he's in, playing the quarterback position. He has to be assertive. He has to be confident. Um, you're coming into a, into a team where the fan base is kind of fed up. They haven't, you, there hasn't been much success in Carolina in the last couple of years. They don't like the way the front office has dealt with, you know, parting veterans. And um, in addition to that, you know, there's a new offensive coordinator. There's Christian McCaffrey. You have DJ Moore, who I think is going to be very good at that wide receiver mm-hmm. one position mm-hmm. coming into this season. He's He's been – steadily making improvements and getting himself in position for that. We can also touch on him a little bit later also. But I think that the statement that he made is more so a self-affirmation. Okay, you can let him slide with that. But I I mean... Affirmation. And it's very different because this team is used to Cam Newton, not just his his play on the field and his talent, but his locker room presence, his his leadership, his leadership skills, you know, nicknaming everybody on the team. It's a certain bravado that Cam Newton mm-hmm. has that we have not necessarily seen from Teddy. And that could just be differences of personality. At this point. Well, DJ Moore said today when they asked him to talk about Teddy, said, quote, he's a real cool dude. Uh, he also basically said he has a really basically a personable attitude. So he has an attitude where people like to gravitate toward him. So, and then again, Sheena and I have not been able to, you get a lot, you can get a feel of guys when you're able to go into the locker room and you meet them in person. Zoom is very impersonable. So as the season progresses and hopefully the situation changes, we'll be able to give you guys a little more insight into, into the personalities of these players that we cover. But all that aside, self-affirmation or not, like Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. You're gonna make him delete his Twitter again, Teddy. I I like that. It's a rough crowd. He's no, wait, wait. You were shady crowd. just then. You were shady oh, just we then. We deleted that Twitter. Yes, yes, you. Yes. I all I know is I logged in. I had been online a lot that particular day. I logged in and I was like, Did Teddy get hacked? Because we're used to, now camp. For all, you know, everybody says he's brash, he's this, he's that. He's a, he's a lot of things. But for the beating that Cam Newton has taken in public, he never let us see his feathers get ruffled. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what was more surprising to me because I'm used to, you know, there has been so much cam slander. There's been so much slander about a lot of the guys and you rarely see them hit back. So that was kind of surprising. So that's the question. That's our next question. Are fans who are still mad about cam giving Teddy, are they giving Teddy a fair shake? A lot of, well, if, if we have to just go off of Twitter, which is all we have to go off of right now, I would say that, no, I said, I would say that some of them are. Some are diehard Carolina Panthers fans, like whoever's in that uniform, that's who I'm rooting for. And you have a lot of, a lot of people that defected to the Patriots because they're Cam Newton fans, number one. But number two, also because of the manner in which Cam was let go. It was like, okay, boom, Cam can pursue a trade. A couple hours later, boom, Panthers signed Teddy Bridgewater. So even though it's not Teddy's fault, just the way that it was done, a lot of people are still salty about that. And again, like I said, they're two very different style quarterbacks. So you have people that are like, man, ain't no way he's going to measure up to Cam Newton. And he might not by their standards. It's just I, you know, what you're using. They're not, they have not given him a fair shake as opposed, you know, at, it, the contrast would be, oh, he's coming in. He's our guy. We're going to root for the best for him. But the breakup with Cam Newton was so bad. That's like, right. And it really, right. and, and legit, it really wasn't that long ago. And I liken this to a relationship so much. Like, usually in a relationship, you need about six months to really hop out there and say, okay, you know, bump this dude. I'm in these streets again. Um, but it's been how long? Several months? Several months? About three. Yeah, about five, four, four or five months. Because it was March. Yeah. Is that when they is that when they let him go? They let him go. Well, they announced that he could pursue a trade in March. Um, okay. Well, then then okay. So March, and then there, then with COVID though, it kind of seemed like it was a whole. It was a really weird situation. And then when he finally signed with the Patriots, it's just you know Panthers fans are still bitter. Uh, it, it's hard for them to to really get over this. And um and and. Teddy is the unfortunate beneficiary of hopping into a fan base that's that's that is bitter and still hurt over Cam Newton. You know, I understand the fans' point of view. Teddy is going to have to prove. Teddy is going to have to answer his haters on the field, and that's just what it is. Until <laughs> Teddy gets on that field and proves that you know he he can handle his own or rep his own outside of you know, we saw what he did in Minnesota before he got hurt. Right. He came in and he was always, you know, he came in and he did what he needed to do in New Orleans, but that was always Drew Brees' team. Always. So it's been a long time since Teddy has held the reins to a real team. And so we really can't go based off of that Minnesota time because it's been right. so much time in between, right. a major injury. So Teddy's going to have to prove himself on the field. And I think that Panthers fans are reasonable enough where Cam Newton aside or Cam Newton or not, bitter or not, if Teddy proves himself on the field and he's showing his leadership and the Panthers at least put a good product on, on the field at Bank of America Stadium, I don't think any Panthers fan is expecting Super Bowl. Nobody is talking about going to the Super Bowl this year. But right. if they can have a respectable season, I think that, you know, Panthers fans will be fair about how they treat him. It's just going to take, it's just going to take some time. My other question, the other, the other side of the coin for that is, this is a whole new coaching staff, new offensive coordinator. What Teddy does have to his advantages, to his advantage is having worked with, um, gosh, <laughs> Joe Brady. <laughs> Drawing a blank. He worked with Joe Brady before, so that, that's, that's a feather in his cap. But if they're not able to put together wins because of COVID, limiting the preseason, a whole new defensive, a whole new defensive squad, basically, other than Trey Boston, KK Shore, you know, there's very few guys held over. I think those might be the only two starters. Is there a third starter on defense that's coming back? I don't think so. No. Oh, Dante, Dante Jackson. Dante, Dante. Jackson. Brian so, Burns got some quality snaps, but, you know, when you it was all those erratic. So when you look at all those different factors, even if Teddy plays lights out, but the team still can't put a, put a W in the win column because of these other factors, 
does he carry the brunt of that or are Panthers fans, I wouldn't say mature, but are, do you think Panthers fans will be like, look, he came in, he did a good job. It didn't translate into wins, but he had X, Y, Z going on. Or do you think that that's going to you talking be about first year? Yeah. First year. This, this year. I don't think any, I don't think anybody cares about this year. I don't think anybody, anybody who's reasonable and Panthers fans are a lot reasonable than what people think. Panthers fans have weathered some really bad storms. Okay. They're one win seasons, you know, uh, it would, they have Panthers fans are resilient fans and, and they're also very realistic fans. And I don't think with a new coach, a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, all of these guys of which have very limited professional experience, you still have a, a fairly new owner in David Tepper. You have a new quarterback. Um, I don't think any Panthers fan expects the Panthers to do well this season at all. So would you consider Teddy to be a placeholder? See, now you're asking. I, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. If the, Panthers, if, the Panthers, if the Panthers play their way into a number one pick, they're taking a quarterback. They're ta- I mean, you're, they're taking a quarterback. Tank for Trevor. Do you think there's any um, validity to that? They'll never say it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, you know, historically, Matt Rule's teams have done terrible in their first year, and they picked it up after that. So if you're, if you're a squad – and, you know, a, a, a key word for David Tepper is sustained excellence. I think that kind of starts at your QB position. Absolutely. Now, is Teddy Bridgewater the guy who can give you sustained excellence? Like, look at the turnaround that they had in Kansas City because of Mahomes and Baltimore because of um, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar. It happens. Look, look at the turnaround. And, and they will have assumedly a sustained excellence for a while because they have such talent at that position. Carolina, I mean, Cam Newton was there, but nobody had won back-to-back seasons in the NFC South before Cam Newton came to the Carolina Panthers. So sustained excellence starts at that QB position. I don't know if Bridgewater is the guy that will hold that torch for the Panthers. They signed him to a three-year deal. You know, it's not like they, they cleared the bank out on him. Right. I, I, I think very realistically, if, if one of these young kids is available and Panthers get a pick one through three, they go on with QB. They may use that. They may use year two as a, as a, as a year for them to kind of acclimate themselves to the league. And then year three, Teddy B. I mean, who that? <laughs> this is how I, y'all this is goes. this is what i do with this is, this is how it goes with the league throw that i'm telling you if it, <laughs> this is how it goes with the league it so does. how do you think how do you think the unconventional offseason will affect teddy bridgewater um it's interesting because he doesn't have he hasn't been able to meet with a lot of the team we've seen a couple of guys meet up in bunches you know here and there but he does they didn't have that veteran camp you know right now they they have kind of an unconventional unconventional training camp so I think Mm -hmm. that that kind of hurt him in regards to being able to to get reps with his new teammates like that's the, the one of the biggest things for me that 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 you know just jumps out of jumps out on the page to me is that and also it's hard to do like they have been talking via zoom they're having like a lot of classroom gathering mm-hmm. classroom type gatherings while yeah that's going to help you learn the playbook but to me nothing beats you know actual action actual it's action. hard it's it's hard to develop rapport it is very difficult to develop rapport and that's something that has been an issue like the panthers receiving core i think dj moore did an excellent job for there to have been so many qb questions in his first two years First season. Mm-hmm. You know what? I never thought about that. Yeah, they didn't pull Cam until there were only two games left in the season, even though he that shoulder mm-hmm. was killing him after the Pittsburgh game. 
DJ Moore still had a solid rookie season. Then last season, you know, we get what was it one or two games with Cam before Kyle Allen took over. And while he looked good in spurts, you know, it's not like there was the most dependable QB play. And then, you know, Will Greer got right. a little bit of burning there, but he still had a thousand yard season. He's the first one to mm-hmm. do that since Greg Olson. The only Panther to do that other than Greg Olson on last year's roster. So I think that that's going to be a connection that we should watch. And um, Curtis Samuel, we've seen flashes. Will we finally see a full season of completely healthy, completely consistent and solid Curtis Samuel? There's all of these question marks. We have Robbie Anderson that just came in. You know, he's going to be a big, fast target for Teddy. So the weapons are there. It's just how they're going to all gel together without having had this off, se- this off season to, to really, you know, develop that report. And it's so important, especially. I got to I got to say it now. The offensive line, the, of course, there are questions there. And that has been an issue with the Panthers for several years. But can you imagine what Cam Newton would have been able to do with the offensive weapons that the Panthers have now with him as a healthy player? There are a lot of Panthers fans who are just seething at that. That whole they went and got him some help finally, but then he's gone. Yeah. I mean, I looked at that. Like if you look at Cam Newton's best statistical years and then you look at who his offensive weapons were, you're like, I mean I mean half that Super Bowl team, half half of those guys aren't even playing in the league anymore. He squeezed blood out of a turnip. So for all the Cam slander that he gets about being inconsistent and he's this and he's that, he before he got hurt, we were seeing his best statistical season since his well, it was actually better than his MVP year. So I know Yeah, it was. They are they are definitely seething. And what you know what what makes them more pissed off? The fact that David Gettleman is up in New York talking about how important it is to have a consistent offensive line, and he never <laughs> made sure that Carolina had one. So I did see some some Panther. He had a quote floating around here not too long ago, and I was just like, man, they're about to eat him alive. Because they yes, – that was – I mean, it's no secret. They did not put Cam Newton in the best possible position to succeed. And yeah. it was almost like they kind of just threw him away afterwards. So – you got Teddy that's facing all this, this, this backlash, you know, which honestly is undeserved from his standpoint. He didn't do anything wrong, you know, yeah, but, but he, he walked, he walked into this situation. Into the situation. That's like, it's like, uh, you know, the first, like you, you've been yeah. saying, you know, the family always looks at the new girlfriend. Who's who, like, who is this? Like, where'd she come from? He like the last girl. You got to win over the family. You got to win over the family. And that's just what he has to do. So how do you feel about Matt Rule needing to win over the family? What do you think his approval rate is right now upon, you know, among Carolina's fans? I don't know. I've heard mixed reviews. Some people like that rah-rah, shish-boom-ba type spirit that he has. Players can, are always talking about energy. Like, I've heard several players when asked about Matt Matt Rule and how they feel about him and what they think about him. Energy is always a word that I hear. Some people respond to that. Others, others think that man is doing too much. I don't know. I think that, you know, people, because we haven't seen much on the field, we've really gotten limited interaction with coach rule we, you know, we don't get to see how he's interacting with players. He hasn't really had much interaction with players. I don't know if it's fair to assess him at this stage of the game. It's just, it's just tough. We know that he's a motivator. We know that he's an energetic guy. Um, He seems to be a personable guy. I don't have any beef with him, but then again, you know, he hasn't done anything to cause any beef. Well, let me ask you this. Well, let me say this. So when, when we had the Matt Rule press conference, he talked about how good Graham Gano looked. He said he hadn't physically seen him kick, but he was getting very good reviews on his progress from the medical team. And what happens the next day? Graham Gano gets cut. When Is we- that on Matt? Marty Herney, listen. Herney, Herney makes those decisions. It's I, almost yeah. like... It's, I don't think it's... I don't think we can blame him for making the decision. It's just the wordplay and how it looks. Because yeah. we also, you know, I'm landing in Indianapolis and I'm, my phone's just buzzing, 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 going to the, to the combine. Oh, the Panthers are planning to move forward. Cam Newton, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. 
well, we get Matt Rule today. Let's see what we hear from him. I'm so excited to work for Cam, wait, work with Cam. He will definitely be on the roster come September. And he's not on the roster. So you got to think, this, is a, this, this fan base is pissed. Like, they're fed up. And so they're feeling like, well, dang, we'll get this vote of confidence on a certain player from Matt Rule, and then that player is gone. And to them, they're, like, trying to do the – calculations in their head like okay well why did you say this if this was the case or do you feel like he's in a position where he can't say too much or that's too, it or too that's little it. like if he were to if if he were to he was asked specifically about Graham Gano he gave the information that Graham Gano you know looks good he hasn't seen him kick the next day Graham Gano gets cut okay now, if he had said in that press conference, you know, uh, Graham Gano is healthy, and that's it. Maybe that would have been a better answer. Or been. maybe he said, maybe he could have said, you know, you know. I mean, because like I said, he got- I don't know. I, I personally, I don't have a problem with his answer. I think that that's what you're supposed to say. And the thing is, like, he's probably an excellent card player because – like he called poker face was on okay? that face. Like you would never. And, and who knows? Did they have discussions about Graham Gano after the, um, oh. after that, after that it's call, it's possible, you know? So you, you never know. You never know. I think the whole cam thing, I think they knew about their plans with cam before the combine. Cause he's a little shakier with his answers with cam leading up to that point. But as far as Graham Gano, I'm, 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 I'm guessing that they maybe made that decision after, after that conference. But even if they didn't, he's not, listen, don't play poker against Matt Rule because he's thing, probably going to win. You're not going to be able to read his, his, his you know, motives. You're not going to know what's in his hand at all. Another thing coming with the upcoming season in COVID country is – Will there even be a season? We've seen what's happened with the base with baseball and and you know, if you are operating outside of a bubble, it's really hard to have that con- or you really can't have that controlled environment where you know where guys are, you know what they're doing, you're able to prevent interactions that may be considered high risk. I think they said the Cardinals players went to a casino. And that could have led to the breakout that they had. Um, so this is it's just what is they. It was I guess it was it, it, they said a casino at their hotel. I have you know I don't know, but um, Shaq Thompson was asked about this, uh, and uh, this is what he said about what young how how the team and young guys will have to act in order to be able to sustain a season. Uh, just guys got to be smart. You know what I mean? You can't be selfish during this time and during this COVID. You got to think about other guys and their families and, and, and stuff like that and their health issues or whatever they have going on. You just got to be smart about that, especially the young and single guys who want to go have fun and stuff like that. It's just stuff has to wait. Uh, wait until next year. Wait till we figure out COVID. But right now during the season, if you want to play, you got to be smart and just think about other people instead of yourself. Funny thing about that is everybody appoints to the NBA, oh, they had a successful bubble, no one's positive, da 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 But there are so many people yeah. involved in the day-to-day operations of an NFL team. Right now you have a roster down to 80, but you have to take into account the, the um, cooks that are cooking for them every day, the coaches, all the coaching staff, equipment people, um, select PR people that are there, um, trainers. There's just so many moving parts to an NFL team that it's impossible to put them in a bubble. And, you know, like Shaq says, Shaq referenced young players. I don't think he's picking on them, but there's, you know, there's excitement. There's a little bit of immaturity. These guys are, a lot of these guys are instant millionaires, like overnight, you know, and for a lot of them, the NFL is their dream. But you're also talking about kids that could be in their early 20s. So the temptation could mm-hmm. could be there. It's going to take veterans like Shaq Thompson that put their foot down. You know, you might get some hard-headed guys that want to that rebel, but I think that it, in Carolina, I don't think we'll see that. You don't think so? I don't think we'll see that in Carolina just because even being in the locker room, there's, such, there's so much respect 
for the veteran players. Now, granted, there's not a lot of them left on the Panther squad, but I think there's such a um, such a, a high a high aspect of respect of those older players by the younger players. I don't know. Somebody's going to try to test that water. Somebody's going to try to dip their toe in, in that water and go to either a party, um, maybe p- pull a little wheel and hop in and out of the club, get a quick lap dance. Somebody is going to test those waters. You have young kids who are have money in their pockets. You know, they're single. They don't have families that they go to. You know, they're in a new city. Nobody knows them. So they don't have any blemishes on their record. Like, it's, it's, it's going to be hard for them not to get their feet wet. Like, it's going to be hard. So if they do venture out, what do you suggest as, um, I'm gonna, I don't want to say punishment, but a penalty? Do you think that each club should establish, like, a fine? If well, you- they have. They have. So if you, um, it, I, up from, from, you will lose, if they find out you're in a club of 10 or more people, and I, I, I just actually just posted about it. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. But I know if you're in a club that has 10 or more people and you're not wearing a mask, you can be fined up to a week of your salary, up to four weeks a month. So either, and they can choose to either suspend you or just not pay you. Well, the different, I would vote for the suspension because if you have exposed yourself, potentially exposed yourself and you come back, who cares that you're not getting paid? You could shut down that whole, (laughs) shut down the whole team. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's if you attend the indoor nightclub, if you attend an indoor bar, uh, other than to pick up food and there are no more than 10 people in the bar house gatherings see that's gonna see people have house parties now that's the hard one to regulate house gatherings of more than 15 people without the player and all guests wearing masks or ppe or social distancing for more than 10 people is impossible you cannot go to any concerts you cannot go to any sporting events outside of your nfl um uh, obligations. If they find out that you do that, then the teams can impose a maximum fine of an amount equal to one week's salary or suspension without pay, uh, not to exceed four weeks for conduct detrimental to the team for engaging in those activities. And then, in addition, find, uh, teams can find players $50,000. Uh, if they refuse to take a COVID test and players can be fined up to $14,650 for failure to wear a mask and properly social distance uh, and not wearing the devices that make sure they're staying six feet apart. If they don't wear that stuff in the facility, they can be fined up to $14,650. I don't think that's going to prevent them young kids from doing anything. Uh-uh. Listen, you saw, I saw the video. You got a you, you caught a little bit of flack from posting that video of the nightclub that was freaking jumping, like and the of a pandemic. The guy was like, "Oh, you're messing with our livelihood." And I'm like, I'm, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> you messing with our livelihoods?" A little legitimately, like you cannot now. Now I posted that video. It went viral. All the news picked it up, and now you can't. They can't serve alcohol in the club past or alcohol in restaurants past at 11 o'clock but guys like if you want to get back to normal business then you just shut it down and and I understand that but I honestly if I were 21 years old would I be able to really like sit down like I'm able to sit down now well, 21 year old bash time <laughs> hmm I'm a hypochondriac, so I would have been in the house. But, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have. I'm having a social life, though. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, me, personally, 21, I, I don't know. I can't say. And 21 with money? Come on, son. Like, come on. Yeah. And, 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 a, and a guy, like, men don't process things at that age like women do. It's just they're very impulsive. Like, Somebody's going to test those waters. 
Somebody's going to go to Onyx for wings. Onyx ain't supposed to be open. Oh, it isn't. I heard it that that it was. But somebody may go to Onyx for wings, and trust me, their food isn't good like Magic City. I'm maybe saying a little bit too much. It's been a while since I've been there. You're not, but their wings are <laughs> good. Their food is yeah. good. Their food is good. I will say that. I mean, and I, of course, kind of a disclaimer: Lou Will did go to a funeral um, for for um, George Williams, who's, a, who's basically a pioneer down in, in Atlanta. He's one of the first black men to own a successful restaurant in the South. He owns a couple of Nuke sandwich bars. He's he, he was closing in on a deal with AT&T. So very reputable man in the community, um, which is really the reason that Lou yeah. was in Atlanta to begin with. It kind of got lost in the shuffle of everything. Mm -hmm. But. Well, I mean, which is a better story? Go to the strip club or go or to going to pay your respects. Absolutely. They're, they're going to hit up on the strip club thing. Now, we have All right, guys. Go ahead. are choosing to completely opt out of the NFL season. Um, you know, you saw Marquise Goodwin because of his family. You know, he's he has a little baby, a newborn. Um, Christian Miller for Carolina, and he he's a second year player on the defensive side of the ball. Showed a lot of promise last year. He will not be joining the team this season due to COVID. Mm -hmm. um, I brought it up to DJ Moore earlier today because, in addition to this being an unconventional off season because of COVID, this is also his first off season as a parent. His little baby was born last November, so she's still very young. And he was just like, you know, I haven't been leaving. You know, I've been working out in the garage, doing everything I'm supposed to do. So let me get your take on, on guys that are choosing to opt out. I saw some people on Twitter that were pissed, but these are also the people that look at NFL players as just entertainment. Okay. humans. <laughs> there are... <laughs> people aren't taking this seriously. And it's for, there are several reasons why people aren't taking this ser seriously. I, for one, am not one of those people who aren't taking it seriously. I'm taking it very seriously. I have friends and family who have been diagnosed. I have family members who have succumbed to COVID. And, you know anybody's personal reason why they are opting not to put themselves at physical risk or their family members at physical risk um, for this, it's just, it's not a question. And I was going to ask, you know, in our take it or leave it segment, like, do you feel like players owe us an explanation as to why? Christian Miller issued a statement saying how it was an emotional decision for him, but he had to do his best. Um, you mentioned Marquise Goodwin. He actually had a video with his daughter. Do you feel like players owe us explanation? Well, of course, I don't think they do. Um, it'll well, be we leave it there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the readers say. We'll put up a little Twitter poll and, and see what everybody has to say about that. But, I mean, even talking with the, the new center, Matt Paradise, earlier today, he said that he's not going to be, he's one of the players that is opting not to wear the shield, the shielded helmet, because he already has trouble breathing. He also mentioned that he's. He wait, 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 stop right there. Because when I, when he said that, I was like, mm -mm. okay, <laughs> what does COVID do to that you? your lungs. What are your lungs used for? To breathe. Okay, so if he were to be exposed to COVID, that means he is already, I mean, he's, he's an offensive lineman, so we're not saying that he ha probably has a higher BMI than what most people do, and he's admittedly has trouble breathing. Not only that, he said that, you know, some play while some players are wearing the mask during practice, he's not wearing the mask during practice. He's not wearing a mask during practice. He doesn't wear a plan on wearing the shield during games. And of course, that is his personal preference. Absolutely. But to me, I'm sitting on the conference like, dude. Even like more you? so. Even more so because like it's different for the wide receivers. It's different for the corners. You might have a little bump and run and then you're released. Oh no, you're but right here. You are if you're a lineman. If you're a no lineman, you are here. There's spit flying, there's sweat, oh. hands are on each other every single play. 
So that to me puts him more at risk, but he, um, he he put up a disclaimer about it. He also said, yes. not put up, but he offered a disclaimer. He said that he has faith in the protocols that both the Panthers and the NFL is doing league-wide. So he's completely trusting them with the health of himself and his family. Yeah, and I understand. See, the thing is, you can, all the protocols, you can have all the protocols in the world. Like, if you aren't really quarantining people or sectioning off a bubble like the NBA, there's always risk of exposure when you go home and say your girl went to the grocery store and you know she might have just been or you go to the grocery store or shoot your mailman puts some mail in the mailbox and you forget to spray down the mail and then you you touch your face or something there are too many intangibles where okay yeah we have and i and i'm pretty sure the nfl has a lot of money and their product is worth a lot of money. So when you have billions of dollars behind you, you have the, the uh, push and the resources to right. make sure that everything that happens within the confines of the facility is on the up and up. Right. It's not that that I'm afraid of. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about once you leave and right. you go home, then that's where things get a little tricky. And that's what they can't control. Yeah, he's like, well, you know, basically everybody that's on the field is COVID-free anyway, so he doesn't see the risk. Well, for now. For now. That's what they thought with baseball, too. Everybody was COVID-free. And there's a lot more social distancing in baseball than in football. A lot more social distancing. So that I, I did find that to be a little interesting. And I'm like, okay, he's an old lineman, and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to protect himself. Basically, I mean, that, well, and I understand. I mean, I could not personally. I couldn't go running with a mask on. Oh, I, I don't I, want I to run that, anyway. That's why I felt it was going to be difficult for the NFL to have a season because yeah. the nature of it. You're already exerting a whole lot of energy. Mm-hmm. It's hot. It's very hot. You know, you're yeah. issues with people being dehydrated, passing out. So to put something on that's going to restrict, you know, that oxygen. I, that's why. I, yeah. But it's, I, that's just, that's our life right now with COVID. I understand completely him not wanting to practice with the mask and him not wanting to play with the mask. I wouldn't want to do either of those either. Um, but, and I would probably, I mean, he's saying that it's hard for him to breathe. So it may not even be safe for him to be doing, like, going outside is fine, but for him to be doing strenuous activity with with uh, with restrictions over his um, mouth and nose, that might be hard for him. So I understand it. And again, like you said, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we'll see mm-hmm. what happens with NFL and college football and if they'll be able to really sustain a season with so many unknowns. So many unknowns. So one thing All right. that doesn't appear to be an unknown, um, Teddy Bridgewater. I know we brought him up a lot in this in this um, this podcast, but I mean it's relevant. And his intentions to kneel during the national mm-hmm. anthem in this upcoming season. How you feeling? Well, he said he was leaning toward it. You know. I feel like kneeling has been gentrified. Uh, kneeling is not, does not have, I, I, I appreciate the show of solidarity and mm-hmm. I have to start with that. Um, and I've, and I pr- appreciate kneeling as a tool to continue the conversation as far as what we as black people, our experiences as far as racial injustice and police brutality in this country. I appreciate kneeling as a show of of respect for the struggle. Um, I think that it's easy to kneel now. Now it's easy to kneel. Yeah, it is. Kaepernick was doing it several years ago. I didn't see, like, he was doing the same thing everybody is doing now and nobody had his back, really. Nobody, except for a few players, nobody had his back. But now that it's easier and now that it's more acceptable because of the events that transpired over the summer, people who had the same support for Kaepernick several years ago in silence, like trust and believe these players 
had a lot have and had a lot of respect for Kaepernick. They agreed with his platforms and what he did and why he did it. They just were too afraid to risk their own check. And I understand that. I don't get in anybody's pockets. So I understand that to a certain extent. But kneeling now does not carry, to me, it does not carry the same weight that it carried several years ago. Um, But as a show of solidarity, you know, I guess that's what guys are doing now. I think the NFL is going to allow people to wear patches and stuff. But it's become so watered down that people, you know, oh, they're kneeling. Okay. You know why it's watered down for me? Is because, um, you know, for all the reasons that you gave. And, I mean, it's cool to put, you know, I'm not going to say cool, but it's respectable to put the names of former victims of police brutality on the back of the helmets. You saw the decals that they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're doing signage in the end zones for kickoff. I don't know if it's going to be all season, but for kickoff. But Breonna Taylor's killers are still walking around free men. That's the thing. That's the change that Black people want to see. It's cute that everyone's kneeling now. It's cute that you guys are finally acknowledging that Black lives matter. You know, with the with the court signage, with the NBA and the social justice justice uniforms, but we need to see action. We need to see legislation passed. We need to see prosecutions happen. And that's until we get that. I think a lot of Black people are like, hmm, "Okay, cool, thanks." That's kind of the take. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 how I feel. Yeah, until there's action. I mean, it's like ah, it's cute. It's cute. Yeah, it's cute. I mean, but. It, it's it, it's it, it's it's easy now and it's acceptable now and um so yeah, i expect i i fully expect most if not all of at least the black players on the panthers to kneel now Trey, um, talked about that a little bit about the climate in in the uh, in bank of america stadium back in 2016 when cap kneeled Mm-hmm. he's saying that david tepper is actually calling these guys he's appreciating their activism he's offering his support personally not through you know somebody else or through a policy he's literally on the phone verbally telling these guys i support you i stand behind you i stand behind your freedom of speech so that's been the difference in carolina like i mean but i for for all the moves that he's made in the offseason as far as personnel and people are pissed off at David Tepper, it's a different culture there now versus oh, yeah. a couple years ago when I first started covering the team. Jerry Richardson, I mean, we would see him, you know, on his little – we would see him at, at camp, but he definitely was not approachable. You know, that's the difference with David Tepper. He's he's a guy's guy. He's He's one of the people. So he very much will shake your hand, introduce yourself, introduce himself to you, let you introduce yourself to him shoot off a couple of jokes. I mean, he's very personable in that way. And so I think that that is one of the main ingredients as far as the Panthers players specifically being more outspoken. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it wasn't a problem. Listen, Reed, Eric Reed was still kneeling when he came to Carolina. David Tepper signed off on Eric Reed coming to Carolina. And they extended him too. Right. Right. And extended him. So, you know, that there is a change in culture in, and, in that ownership position. And I think that from what I, from what I have read and been, you know, privy to, he's probably one of the more progressive owners in the NFL when it comes to that. And I think that that's a great thing. I do think though, because of the environment that other owners are going to not be as um, dead set against, they're not going to tote that hard line, whole hard Jerry Jones line um, that, that, that other, that, that they would have pre this summer. So you know, kneeling is cool. I'm with it. I'm supportive, but you know, we need we need additional additional action, sure. um, and and, and uh, that just don't let the kneel be it. So your guy though, Vashti, I know you saw. Um, everyone saw the clip of Michael Jordan um, going viral, getting buckets still. But um, what's also interesting is when we watched The Last Dance, one of the episodes focused on his complete radio silence when it came to racism, 
politics and just social issues at large. Even he's like, you know, making statements now. He's he's throwing his money around a little bit. And was Colin Kaepernick the martyr? Oh, of course. And when it comes to sports, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely, positively, no question. No question. And we have all of these fantastic, great football players and history will be the kindest to Colin Kaepernick because when it was hard to kneel and stand up for your, for what you felt was right and your own rights and, and, and for rights as, uh, uh, for, uh, for our rights as black people, when it was hard to do that, that's when he did it. And not when it was easy. He started as far as sports are concerned, he started an entire movement and, and, that is more impactful than anything a Tom Brady or Cam Newton or anybody um, will do on anybody's or on any football team. So yes, he was absolutely, you know, martyr as far as his football career. But I feel like he has a long road of impacting and enacting and and activism. Um, so kudos for that absolutely well, guys this has been a fun episode and we are going to try to crank one of these out for you guys every single week so make sure that you like and subscribe and share the podcast available on itunes and all podcast um outlets all podcast platforms rather but in the meantime you can catch us talking our trash on twitter <laughs> and i'm at sheena underscore marie three and vashai is and blitzing. keep listening Look at this shirt for the spelling, guys. Blitzing, not blitzing. We're not just I N. We're not blitzing. <laughs> or or you can just search Carolina Blitz. So follow us on social uh, Twitter and Instagram, please. Thanks, guys. This has been a fun episode. We look forward to bringing you guys some awesome content as the season go on goes on. Signing off, I'm Sheena Quick. That's Ty Hurt. Carolina Blitz and Quick Out the Box. Quick Blitz.